Hashem. I had a pretty important realization the other day that when we're awake, really, still halfway suspended between being awake and being in a dream. Why? Because when we're awake, we have our conscious faculties, we have free choice, we can think, we can choose, we can direct our choices with executive function. That's being awake. But at the same time, we're still submerged in a dream. It's like we're halfway awake only. We're only halfway awake, but we're still half asleep. Why? Because although we're awake and functioning consciously with executive choice and all that, at the same time, everything around us that we look at, we only know the surface. We don't know what's actually going on around us. We don't know what anyone else is thinking. We don't know actually how any of the buildings we look at were actually built. Who built them? When? How much did it cost? Were there issues building the building? How did this food item get in this store? From exactly where did it come from? Okay, you can read the label, made in China, made in India, made in South America, but you have to read it. You have to investigate. The default is that it's an amazing situation. We're awake. We're completely functioning unless something's wrong, God forbid. We're completely in control and awake. But yet, everything we're looking at, we have no idea really what's going on. It's really an interesting situation. It's like we're half in light and half in darkness. It's really, really really important to think about. Even to ourselves, we're asleep. We don't really understand. People go to therapy. People do exercises and practices to try to actually listen to their own thoughts and hear themselves. We're asleep to ourselves, to most of ourselves. We're asleep to our subconscious, even when awake. Maybe we're more asleep than awake, but let's just say we're half. I like to think we're half. It's really interesting. So, I was just reading this commentary called Igor Dekala on the Chumash. He was saying, why does the Torah begin with the letter base? Beratius Barlim of the the Arts. In the beginning, Hashem created the heaven and the earth. It's a very, very big deal that the first letter in the entire Torah is the letter Bet. Says the Igor Dekala, Agor Dekala, the Agor Dekala, he says, that bait, bait, the letter bait, stands for the word bite, a house. A house. Okay? There's a lot to say about that. But his take is like that. We know from the Sefer Yitzir, the fundamental text of Kabbalah, that every letter in the Torah, every Hebrew letter, in reality is called a stone, an evan, a stone. And the Sefer Yitzir says, these letters, which are like stones, build houses. Batim, that's a bait. That's the letter bet. Bait is a house. Letters, which are stones, are building houses. Which means, just like you take a couple stones and you put them together, you make a house. So too, you take different letters and together they form words. And the Savior Tira is saying over there 
that the point is is that the more letters you have in a word, the more different letter combinations you can make. So it says two stones makes two houses because if you have just two elements, two letters, there's only two combinations. One, two, or two, one. Aleph, bait, or bait, aleph. So that's two houses, two possible combinations. If you have three elements, aleph, base, gimel, if you have, or, you know, let's say base, gimel, dalet, begot, a, a clothing, you can rearrange that in six different ways. From three elements, you get six houses. You could do a gimel, dalet, bet. You could do gimel, bet, dalet. You know, six different, say, roofing, six different permutations, combinations. With four, the number already gets I forget and then it and then it just goes on from there very very high so this is the idea of the stone and the house the stone are the individual elements the houses are the different combinations of those elements elements being the Hebrew letters so it says the Agar Dekala the, the Torah begins with bit to stand for bayit he says something very beautiful because bet is just a letter and letters are just the stones. The letters are just on their own, sort of, at least on the surface, closed, non-communicative items. Like, just isolated letters don't mean anything. Letters only mean something in combination as words. Says the Agarikala, but listen, the first letter is a bite. The bite represents not just a letter by itself, but letters in combination to make these metaphorical houses, these batim, these houses. Why should a single letter, which is supposed to be only an evan, a stone, already by itself mean the word house, meaning many letters together? Says the Agarikala because it's telling you in Torah that just like the letter bet, when you speak it out on its own, it's bayit, is house. So from even the, even the letters by themselves, even the letters that exist by themselves are actually in hidden way already full letters. I mean full words, sorry. Full, even isolated letters are already full words. Why? Because yeah, you write the letter bet on the parchment. The letter bet by itself doesn't mean anything as a, as a solitary letter, as an isolated letter. It's just the letter bet. You need at least one more letter to make it a word. If you put an aleph next to the bet, it says bo, it says come, come to me. If you put an aleph before the bet, it says av, it means a father. Ah, now you have two letters, it can mean something. But just one letter by itself means nothing. Says, it, says the Agar Kala, no. Because Yes, that's true in the writing. It's true if you write a letter bet by itself, isolated, it means nothing. But if you say the letter bet, you're basically saying the word bayit, which means a house, which means a word, which means a structure of different elements combining to mean something. Yet it's just in one letter. Says Agar to call that's the point. In Torah, in the holy language in Lashon HaKodesh, even the isolated letters are actually still full of hidden meaning. You just have to say the, word, the letter. You just have to explore it. You just have to 
if you want to say the letter bet and speak it with your mouth, you're already saying a word. You're saying the word bite. You're saying the word house. That's why the Torah begins with the letter bet to tell you that what look like hidden, inscrutable, isolated letters, which is representing what we're asleep to, representing that deep inside of every event in our reality, it's not just a mystery, you know, where did this can of green beans come from? Did it come from Argentina? Did it come from Peru? Did it come from India? There's deeper, deeper questions. From what atoms, from what particles, from what molecules did did uh, the different molecules to make this uh, can of beans go through? And why? And what was the creator's plan? And why should it finally end up in the form of a can of green beans now in front of me? and not earlier, and not for someone else. Why was I destined to get this can of green beans? And everything has depth like that. Everything is intentional. There's a deep mystery behind every little thing we go through that we are asleep to, that we are dreaming to. What this commentary says to me is, but if you ask, if you speak out, if you inquire and try to understand, you can even know the answers to those questions. You can take what look like isolated letters, like inscrutable, shut mysteries of the things going on around you, which the Agarikala says is representing Shemayim, representing heaven, that the answer to the why of everything we go through is rooted in a heavenly process that we are asleep to. But that's only if we don't speak out our situation. Like the letter Bet written by itself it's just a bet it's just a stone it's just a letter that doesn't mean anything but if you speak it out it says bite it says house it now means it houses a meaning so too we can go from being half asleep to 60% awake to 70% awake we can wake up more and more we might not know the deep reasons behind every food item Why did I pick up this food item and she picked it up a different one? Why exactly is every little thing happening to me the way it is? We're not going to know that necessarily until much later in the universal process. But we can begin to ask. We can do it simply. We can ask ourselves, how actually am I feeling and why? We can ask someone else, how actually are you feeling and why? Because before you ask... You're asleep. You don't know how they're feeling. Before you ask, when was this building built? Why? Who wanted to build it? Who was the architect? How much money did they spend? For whatever reason you want to know. If you go and research it, you can figure it out. Until you ask, you're asleep to the answer. And even when you get an answer, you're still asleep to the deeper answer. And there's answers inside of answers inside of answers. Hidden by questions on top of questions on top of questions. But... The Torah is telling you, this is the way you ask the questions to find the godly answer, to find the true answer, and to start waking up. And there are endless stages of waking up, way beyond the end of just our human history. It just keeps getting deeper and deeper, and we wake up more and more and more. 
way after 6,000 years of history is over, way after Mashiach comes. We keep waking up more and more to the deeper and deeper core reasons for everything. And just the last point is, it's very important, the word for awake, for being awake, is air. Ayin Resh. Ani Yashayin air. I'm asleep and my heart is awake. Awake is air. The same letters of air, awake, Ayin Resh is Ra, evil. That's very good. If you're waking up, you're moving towards the good. God forbid the other direction, the reverse direction, is bad. Just to shut one's eyes, to shut one's heart, to try to go more to sleep into physicality, that's the wrong direction. As a sham, we, can, we should wake up. We should be constantly waking up. We're only moving towards waking up. We know the good way. We know which way is towards waking up. I mean... <laughs>